This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout, the pitch on its way, it's blasted out to dead center field! Out of here! Ball gets away! He's going to break for the plate! Ball game is over! The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning! This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. What's going on and welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush and I am oh so glad that you are here with us uh, today. Look, here's the thing. Over the last couple of weeks, there has been a lot going on around the world. And like what this podcast has been for a long time now, um, we want this to be an escape and a chance to just think about baseball and talk about some of the great things in our game and what can come from baseball because I think there's a lot of really neat stuff. And we have Jose Moda, Angels broadcaster, that's going to be on with us. And we're going to talk about a lot of cool things and his charity to such great work, but also reflections on the Hall of Fame and the fact that Jose Moda has a scorecard in the Hall of Fame as being the only broadcaster to be both a play-by-play and analyst on TV and radio in English and Spanish. It, you know, he is the ultimate jack-of-all-trades uh, when it comes to that. Jose Moda has done it all and has done uh, such a good job of covering the Angels, uh, really going on close to 20 years now, uh, the job he has done uh, covering this team. So we're going to have Jose Moda on in just a moment. Then after our conversation with Jose, I'm going to share a couple of neat historical stories that I've been researching and I'd like to share with you guys because I do these sports page reports. For those that listen on AM830, every day we do a sports page. And, and it's essentially, for those that aren't familiar, it's it's basically like a newspaper column that I get to write about what's going on uh, and, and share that, uh, whether it be historical, whether it be angel-related, baseball-related. And recently, I've had a great time really diving in to some unique baseball stories through the history of our game and trying to compare these crazy times of now to some times in the past. So we'll be sharing those uh, coming up in just a moment. But without further ado, here now our conversation with Jose Moda. He is the ultimate jack of all trades when it comes to broadcasting. You've heard him all over the place, whether it be TV, radio, English, Spanish, Instagram, live now. You follow him on Twitter, at Jose Moda. He's Jose Moda joining us now here on the program. What's up, Jose? How are you? I'm doing great, man. Considering uh, that uh, we would have been on the third, what third month of fourth month of baseball already. It's crazy. Jose, you don't have to, to remind. Think. You don't have to be remind me. I, I miss <laughs> it enough already. Huh? You kidding me? Oh my god! But uh, you know what? We missed the game. Uh, I'm enjoying the time with home, but uh, man, I really do miss those stories that develop every single night. That also you're part of. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, it's fun to do that. I, I will say, and one of the things that I think. 
there has been some silver lining in this. And, you know, something we've tried to do on the radio is telling some of the old stories and a lot of, you know, history about the Angels and of baseball and getting a chance to, to communicate with, with people like you. And we've had a, a lot of great guests on this program already. Um, Jose, I think it's been pretty fun telling the stories and we, we it's almost like we have time now to where we can go through some of the really neat great things about our game that kind of get tough to tell during the run of the middle of the season when you're just trying to catch up with the day-to-day things constantly changing now it seems like we've been able to have a little bit more time to tell some cool stories and i gotta say what you have done through the moda minutes that i've been seeing on twitter you and gooby having fun on on instagram live telling stories there i i have to say as much as i miss baseball and i want it to come back yesterday i am really enjoying hearing these new stories that you know you have told like so many others well i enjoy it too and i know it, it came down to um you know feeling sorry for yourself and knowing that what our country has gone through what the world has gone through or doing something about it, you know, and uh, I've always been one that uh, was through my face. you got to do something about it, and fans have been clamoring just for any baseball stuff. So I came up with a couple of ideas uh, with the help of uh, Fox Sports West. You know, we created the Motor Minute back in spring training. So I'm like, you know what? There's going to be a continuation of that because people want something about baseball. And even though there's no game stories to talk about or results or analyzing a play, there's still a lot of history, I mean, characters and and so many things to present to the public that perhaps, as he mentioned, rightfully so, we don't have time to do it during the regular season because we're in a format, we're on time limits, we're on this and that. You know, if I want to tell a story about my dad and, and Clemente or, or myself and, and Billy Buckner, there's always like this restriction of having to do it away from, you know, the really good broadcast. But, you know, and, and you know me and, and usually when I'm in the booth, there's a lot of stories coming out, especially when I get to work with Terry, obviously, and Mark and you. But I love this because now you're reaching out to history. There's more people reaching out to you. And I'm one that, you know, social media to me has been a tool that I'm using more and I've used always more, not for self-promotion, but more for connection with the fans. And I think it's been wonderful to be able to do this. You know, my other little campaign is, you know, the hashtag why I miss baseball, where I've had personalities in and around baseball and the news and the media celebrities actors cooks chefs tell us about why they what they miss about the game and i think that's been a, a ton of fun and, and as you mentioned gooby i mean gooby and i have known each other for gosh over 25 30 years and we've had a chance now on instagram live which i had never done before gooby barely had an instagram <laughs> i mean i barely posted some stuff but now we have like a show on wednesdays that we just chatter about on baseball tips, on youth tips, on history, favorite teammates, who we learn from. So all these things that you think about, obviously catching up with, you know, what's going on in the game and negotiations, that just makes it a lot more fun now. But don't get me wrong, I miss the day-to-day. I miss driving to the ballpark. I miss being around the fans and on the set and everything and, and doing the broadcast. But, you know, after all, let's make the most out of it and thank God we found it. I love it and completely agree. You know, we miss it all so much, but, you know, you have to find some good in, in these tough times, and I think that you have been someone that's kind of been an inspiration for so many people uh, in doing that. Jose, I want to go back for a moment. I want to talk a lot about your career, but before we get to that, I was with you in what I think felt like the last time there was anything normal, and that was that <laughs> first weekend in March. 
uh, for yeah. spring training when, when we, you know, Trout hits the home run, I think that Friday to start the big three-day weekend. Everyone's so jazzed up about what's to come in baseball. And then all of a sudden we get the rug pulled out from under us. But um, when, when you think about what spring training was like and what you were able to see from this Angels team, what was some of your or what are some of your impressions about what the 2020 Angels can be? Oh, man, the first one, obviously, is what Joe Madden has brought to the organization. Again, now as a manager, no restrictions, his culture, and just in the short time that the Angels were playing, forget about the wins and losses, but just going back to what Joe implanted as philosophies, as having the game fun, as you know, tying in with the alumni that are so important to every organization in baseball. And to have these guys walk around and give instruction freely, it's great to talk about, you know, the bunting and David Fletcher being a star player. And, yeah, you surround yourself with mega stars. I mean, the Angels lineup, it's pretty amazing. It's quite amazing what this team on paper will be able to do and hopefully get a transfer on the field. But those things caught my eye. I mean, the development of, you know, a new Dylan Bundy, a Patrick Sandoval, hopefully a healthy, you know, Griffin Canny and Shohei, all these great things that were going on. I mean, the additional Matt Andrews and, and Tehran and, you know, the development of, of Hansa Robles, all these things were flowing so nicely <laughs> away from wins and losses and just the vibe of a team that is ready for something, guys that are hungry, and the leaders, you know, Albert and his dedication and, and Trow growing into that leader and obviously the powerhouse of the organization, but um, just a lot of promise um, Mickey Calloway, what he's brought as a pitching coach, you know, and I kept bringing up during the broadcast that about Mickey Calloway's first season with the Indians and the names that were out there in the rotation. And he says, this talent here is better than what I had. And he, we're talking about Ubaldo Jimenez. We're not talking about, you know, the guys that won Cy Youngs and the Trevor Bowers of the world or the Corey Kluber's, but guys that had, you know, Decent names that became very good names because of Mickey Callaway and, of course, their talent. But to hear him talk about what the Angels' young pitching looks like, you know, with Berea and Suarez, and, you know, and the depth they have, obviously, in that bullpen and the potential, is pretty special, I think. I know that you and I talked a lot about those, and you and Terry talked about some of those points as well on, on the spring training broadcast. And I mean, it feels like it was a lifetime ago. It was so long ago, yeah. just a couple of months. But, it, boy, <laughs> uh, it does feel like a long time ago. And I know that, you know, you say those things, and it's a lot of the same things we've been talking about here on this show and this podcast about wanting to get baseball back, especially because I think the Angels in 2020 can be really good. And I actually think in some ways a shortened season could benefit them uh, from a pitching perspective um, I, I do want to go talk about your career Jose because you're somebody that has been around baseball your entire life obviously you know growing up with your dad and you know being around the game forever having a, a playing career of your own but what was it that inspired you to start getting into broadcasting man that goes back to uh, thanks to my dad number one but also growing up in um in the environment that I did. I mean, I was a stadium rat from the time I was born. You know, by the time I'm three months old, I'm in the arms of Roberto Clemente and Willie Stargell and, and Danny Murtaugh and all these star players and Manny Sengi and with the Pirates. And then, you know, as as the game, for, as our lives progressed and my dad eventually ends with the Dodgers, well, guess what? Then the doors open to us going to Dodger Stadium every single day in the summer 
when we're you know back here for the summer from school in the Dominican, um, and and seeing these giants of the broadcast world. I mean, Vince Kelly inviting me to the booth, Jaime Harin invited me to the booth, and this was not like a, once in a while. It was like every other day or every day we we're in that booth just learning. And, and think about this: Ryan Lefevre and Darren Sutton also became big league broadcasters, and we were on the same boat at one point through those boots of Dodger Stadium. But I know that as a player, my goal was to play in the big league, you know, 10, 12, 15 years. That didn't happen. And you know what, Trent? That was the best thing that happened to me, not to get established in the big leagues. Because otherwise, I'm not living this life, still in baseball, helping people out, uh, broadcasting for a large audience nationally and internationally. But I was, and I mentioned my dad early because my dad would do some games as a guest analyst on some of the Dominican playoff broadcasts that travel away to do these games. And I would listen to him on my little radio at home. And I was, you know, nine, ten years old. I'm like, man, that's my dad coming through the waves. That's so cool. And as time progressed, I got to learn more about it. He introduced me to a lot of the great broadcasts that came through Dodger Stadium. I mean, from every team that came by, you know, from Marty Brenneman to. Uh, Jack Buck, all these guys that came through, and he would introduce me and say, hey, my son likes baseball, but you know what, but he also likes the microphone. And it was kind of a, a progression like that beyond the great heroes and mentors that I had back in the Dominican that uh, were outstanding broadcasters that I grew up with. But it was pretty much an organic thing, Trent. When I decided to go to college, I wanted to play baseball. I wanted to get drafted. I played for the best coach ever for the NCAA Division One, Anagi Garrido. Yep. And – Augie instilled baseball, yes, but he also said, Jose, you know, your dad has had a great career, um, but I want to prepare you for more. There's more for you. And, and you're bilingual. And you know, you got to consider and, and, and really appreciate that and treasure it. So we talk about communication and taking the, and going in that direction for my major. And that was tremendous because I got to learn about radio, TV, and film. I got to learn about being a journalist, not just a former player that is an analyst or a play-by-play person or a reporter, but be a journalist and learn. So school helped me a whole lot to understand that side of the business. And then the push from my wife and, and my family and my mom and dad just saying education first, man, because something happens in baseball, you got something to fall back on. And even about my wife even more because she graduated from USC in journalism and PR. And even though she's been a teacher for 25 years, it was her push to say, hey, who are your idols? We watch, we watch, I mean, Trent, we would watch countless tapes and, and recorded stuff on VCRs, and we were analyzed. And she said, hey, who do you like? Look at this person, your favorite broadcasters. What is it that you like about him? And then eventually she's like, who do you want to be? And I'm like, you know what? I like to be like such and such broadcast. She's like, okay, great. But how about this? You do Spanish and English. How about you become the first Jose Moto? How's that for a deal? I'm like, what do you mean? And then it clicked. And Vince Kelly told me this when I started with the Angels. And I started back in Fox back in 1997 with, with Big Fox. And he said, Jose, I've been watching you. I've been listening to you. I've been hearing from Jaime a lot and Preston Gomez who's with the Angels. And you have something very unique. And Vince Kelly told me, there's something you have to bring to the booth that I will never have. You had somebody in the big leagues try to break up a double play. Use that. You know, metaphorically, you go, Wow. Coming from Vince Kelly, I better treasure that and take that to the bank. And thankfully, I've had great opportunities. Without opportunities, you know, things would not have happened. 
No question. That, that, that's a that's a fascinating story you tell and, and how that all came to be, and that's really good stuff. And, you know, I think good advice for a lot of broadcasters coming up. And, you know, we had Terry Smith on a couple of weeks ago, and he was kind of saying, you know, he was telling his story and, and a lot of these lessons too, and I think people can take this from you, Jose. It's not yeah, just you know about what? broadcasting, One thing it's about life. You know, you know it was a, something very important, Trent, that when I applied for the Angels job in 2000, and, you know, the end of 2001, beginning of 2002, I actually applied because Darren Sutton was leaving. Then Mario ended up leaving. But Darren's like, Jose, come on. And we had the same agent back then, um, a veteran, a seasoned veteran uh, named Norman Bauer. I mean, a longtime TV producer all over the nation who was outstanding and just a great mentor to both of us. I applied for the English job. I was a finalist for the English jobs, then two open, right? So Rory and Terry got the jobs. And then Tim Mead said, Jose, you know, I know how close you came. You're, you are a voice in this community. And, and I have run into Tim a lot in some career days on the schools that I was visiting, you know, through the years. He goes, Spanish is opening. I know that eventually you want to do English. And he was right. But how about getting your foot in the door in, English, in Spanish? And I'm like, Tim, Let's do that. He goes, because I know opportunities will be there because of who you are and what you bring. And you know what, Trent? I, I could not be more thankful to the Disney company and to Tim Mead. And obviously, once Audie and John Carpenter came aboard, just opened this door for me. And thankfully, uh, we've been able to maximize it and connect with the fans and do our service for God. Jose, I think a lot of people know what you do. Like, I mean, it's very easy to say, okay – ex-player analyst that seems to work but to go the the play-by-play route i I think is a little bit of a different thought was that something that you kind of always wanted to do i think you know one of the things that i i got from from many many mentors you know from Vinny, from jaime uh, tommy hawkins when he was a dodger advisor um even you know jack bucks of the world um tom brenneman uh bob brenley joe buck they're like jose you're in a unique situation. You're in a very unique market. I want to do play-by-play because it was a challenge, and not Mary, not very many former players had done it. And it, it didn't matter what my big league experience was, which was very minimal, but I got there, thank God. It was about my drive to portray and paint the game in a way in which a former player could that perhaps other people couldn't and not a knock against anybody, but just by having lived it and the questions, the question stuff on the field to your partner are quite unique. And sometimes you don't have to agree and it's okay that you don't agree, but the play by play was the challenge of doing it, of getting better, of getting a broadcast coach and learning really on the English side and how different it was from broadcasting in Spanish. And then from then on, I just listened to all these guys and said, Jose, don't limit yourself to being malice. You can do way more, please. And the way they got to that was by just listening to my analysis and my analytical view of the game and saying, you know what, but the way you're describing it, please don't limit yourself. Paint the picture, go for it. So fortunately, I've been able to do play-by-play on TV and radio for Big Fox, for the Angels, I've uh, been obviously with TBS, with ESPN, and Side Reporter, uh, and, and obviously with uh, you know Fox, who up on the door back in, in 1997 to me in Spanish. And uh, thankfully, I listened to those people, didn't limit myself, and 
and went out there and continue, uh, you know, to analyze and get better and then see what's new because obviously we can't limit our, ourselves to one generation or, or one region just to understand that we can connect with so many people all over. Yeah, very neat. And I, I just think, I think your story is really inspiring, Jose. And, you know, the Hall of Fame seems to think so, too. We got your scorecard oh, yeah. in Cooperstown. <laughs> how, how, cool, how cool was that uh, for you to uh, essentially now be a part of, you know, the, the greatest place in the baseball world, maybe in the whole world combined, uh, to be in oh, Cooperstown and, and to have your scorecard there? Well, it, it was pretty special because I recall that day in Baltimore when um, – Terry, I moved down to the TV side to play the victor, and um, somebody and Tim Mead, I recalled it. He goes, "Jose, I know you, you know this is an assignment for you to do play-by-play for us." And even though I have done some innings in spring training, obviously uh, not the regular season. Mm-hmm. And Tim says, "This this is pretty historic because now you've done it for us in Spanish and in English. You've done it for us on TV and on radio, and on every outlet, and you've done it for Fox." Big Fox in Spanish and in English, all for those roles. So Tim kind of researched a little bit, went through the archives, and it was out before you know it. It's on the notes saying Jose Mota became the first one. To, and I was sure, you know, I still have a little caption on our notes. Um, the national media caught up, and Ken Rosenthal started, you know, sending notes about it, Bob Nightingale. And it, it was pretty special because then when the Hall of Fame called, I was like, what? I'm floored. What? The Hall of Fame? What's a scorecard, and they're like, Jose, you have no idea what that means to us to be able to say that we have your scorecard. And um, and obviously, you know, that established a nice relationship with the Hall of Fame, too. And I'm glad the Leafs have a little bit of dust in there, as I would say, <laughs> <laughs> occupying some space, because that's that, that so unique. And, and the connection now with Tim Mead being there is also pretty cool. But then uh, that kind of led to a better transition, Trent, honestly, with the whole Vlade Guerrero in going into the Hall of Fame because I have been familiar with all these people because of that one achievement the Angels allowed me to get. Well, that was what I wanted to ask you about next anyway. It was about that when you essentially were the English voice of Vladimir Guerrero through the whole Hall of Fame process. Jose, you were with Vladdy the whole way through. How would you describe what that experience was like uh, to be with Vladimir Guerrero as he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in the first half Angels cap um, on his uh, on his stone there. Oh, my God. I mean, the whole process was just unbelievable from being at Vladdy's house, um, preparing him for what could be coming, uh, from Artie Moreno, I mean, so involved, from, from uh, Omar Minaya, so involved because the connections with the Expos and the Angels. Um, and, and Vladdy was open, obviously, to, you know, seeing which hat do I go in with. And Hall of Fame did not force and does not force anybody to choose a hat. And Vladdy was like, man, you know what? This <laughs> is hard, but I got to thank Artie because of what he did. When Artie signed Vladdy, a lot of people don't know this. Well, Trent. There's teams putting out reports about the risk that Vladdy was because of his back, and that really upset him. And outside his agents, he was getting offers that were shorthanded. But and he goes, you know what? For what Artie did for me, I be- I became a Hall of Famer 
because the Angels. And I got to experience playoff baseball, which is never present in Montreal. And he goes, for that, for winning, for the whole environment, for their support, the fans, I owe it to the Angels to wear that hat. But um, being in Cooperstown, being a part of it, not just a spectator, uh, being in every meeting where Vladi was involved. And, and they're like, no, you know what? Jose, you're part of this. In fact, something very cool was that I'm running to the Robin Yowls and, and Jack Morris's. And, I mean, you know, Jim told me, and all these guys are in that lobby. Craig Beecher, who I played against, and, and Jeff Bagwell. And, uh, as we're leaving Cooperstown, they're like, well, Jose, you're part of it now, brother. Congratulations. You also became the first <laughs> translator ever in the history of Cooperstown. <laughs> so we welcome you back. I'm like, dude, you know what? I, I am just flying the wall here. I, I have nothing to do with this. I'm just doing my job. They're like, no, you're part of this now. So we hope that you can come back every single year and be part of this. So to me, that's also pretty special. That's incredible. It, and, and that's such a unique perspective. And, and there's nobody else that, that could, you know, you could ever talk to about this. Because you oh, essentially got to go through the entire Hall of Fame process. Can you oh, explain Trent. a little bit about I what mean, the process is like? I think fans don't know everything that goes into it. I mean, the process is long, and they want to make sure the player is comfortable. They want to make sure the organization has enough time to plan, if you know, the parties, the receptions, uh, the memorabilia, the giveaways that all, are all tied into this. And between Tim and the whole Angels team, with John Carpino being led and Artie and Carol Moreno involved. It was just magnificent how every single step was so well-coordinated, but they always came through me to say, Jose, what does Vladi want? How much does he want us involved? What does he want that day? I mean, Trent, I mean, it was down to the details, from the food to the clothing to the time to anything, to his family, taking care of him in every single way. It was First class. I mean, it was an investment well worth it for them. And just to see the, the faces and the alumni involved and, and the charter plane that the Angels brought in to make sure Vladi supported. I mean, it was just – and to make sure the organization felt like everybody was a part of it. But it was nerve-wracking getting the phone call <laughs> as we were gathered in New York. Um, and Vladi sitting there with his family. And just the reaction from the family and just the plethora of people that showed up at his house after that and the interviews that are being lined up and all these things that go on alongside that just make you think this is going to get better. And then the Hall of Fame saying, Vladi, our next schedule is going to be this date. We want you to come see the museum, visit the museum, get familiar with it. So before Vladi was in Cooperstown in July, obviously, he had visited there to make sure everything was to his liking. And, and same for Jim Tomey. Same for Trevor Hoffman, same for Chipper Jones. And uh, to me, to be sitting at that dais in New York during the announcement that day, Trent was my name in the front. I was like, I am so out of this league right now. <laughs> but I'll tell you that I'll trigger it forever. And I, I like telling the stories because for any kid that dreams, that has potential, you just never know what life's going to take you. I never thought in my life ever that I was going to be part of a Hall of Fame ceremony to be in front of the dais during an introduction in New York when it's being watched by the world and even to be included and, you know, being backstage and watch all these stars joking around from, you know, the past to the present to, you know, their kids. I mean, it, 
guys that are going up watching, I mean, I'm talking to Mike Schmidt, I'm talking to George Bretham, you know, Bobby Cox and LaRusse and Joe Torrin, some are going to Mike Schmidt and going, oh, my God, you, you do not even imagine what I feel like right now because as a Dodger kid, yeah, you're the Phillies, and, but you're my guy, man, Mike Schmidt. And then uh, <laughs> thank you, you know, for shaking my hand today, you know, and even though I had, like, pictures of Mike Schmidt when I was a kid, but trying was, they was, they was way different because of the special place that we were at at that time. That is really, really neat and really fascinating. And just appreciate you sharing a little bit about the inside of everything that goes into that. Jose, you're a grandfather now. Uh, yeah. I've been for a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping maybe getting to spend a little bit more time with family during this time away. We all see what you do on, on TV and radio, and you are all over the place uh, when it comes to covering Angels baseball. What's next for Jose Moda? What have you been up to, and, and what do you what, still want to accomplish? Uh, I want to continue to be, uh, you know, uh, a good husband and a good father. And, you know, I got uh, my daughter and and my son. And thankfully, my son and his wife have given us the gift of a grandson. And he's this marvelous at, uh, you know, 18 months. uh, He's throwing the baseball around. And uh, he he doesn't want to play with a softer ball now. He wants to throw the hard ball. And (laughs) (laughs) he has has a little wind-up. I mean, it is pretty cool. But uh, to me, you know what? Number one thing is, as I was sitting here, reading uh, the word is to continue to be a good servant to the Lord and, and, and help people out. And even, you know, through our foundation too, which is Motus Faces, you can visit motorspaces.com. We'd have been able to do a lot during the pandemic to help people back in the Dominican. And these are people, Trent, that have nothing. I'm talking, they have nothing, even a mask they can't get a hold of. But, you know, Terry Smith donated some, some funds and, and other friends of mine have donated some funds that we've been able to use to provide for them. And that's been pretty cool to me here during the pandemic, too. Uh, but professionally, Trent, there's way more that I want to do. Um, just rounding, um, maybe getting to our second base right now. And I just continue to look at what opportunities are out there, especially now in the modern day and, and digital era uh, that uh, I can exploit. But overall, being involved with the team, being involved with the personalities, you know, the Trouts of the world and Uptons of the world and Simbas of the world and Pools of the world, it's very special to me, but also to go out and represent well my country, uh, my people. It means a lot, a lot to me. But professionally, I know that there's there's room to grow, room to get better. And at this point, you know, like uh, one of the big philosophers said, I don't know what I want to do, but I know there's going to be a lot. And I continue to strive forward <laughs> to know that in baseball, uh, there's certainly for more that I want I like to accomplish. Jose, what was the uh, your your website once again? Because I, I think that that's a great cause, and I know that you do such good work for uh, all those people in the, in the Dominican, and you and uh, you know and Albert and Vladdy. I know you guys are all great in, in terms of helping out out there. Yeah, it, it, our Instagram is at Motus Faces, Motus Faces, and our website is motusfaces.com. And it was actually created by my daughter when she was. About 10 years old, she gave us the idea, and we run with it. And uh, through Motor Spaces, it's not just about giving and, and bringing gifts and food and medication and clothing to Dominican people, but it's about handing it ourselves. And I'm the middleman. I tell people, I'm the middleman. If you send me $20, I'm going to make sure those $20 go for the right purpose. Um, but it's about keeping alive the dream that anybody, from a tennis shoes, to a, a cap can be donated and make somebody happy aboard and making sure also that that American youth have had a chance 
through our foundation to travel to the Dominican Republic, now over 10 years of traveling groups from Foothill Christian School, to experience that life, to give it away themselves as they collect gifts and, 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 and funds and everything else that they don't need, even toys. These kids get an appreciation. They travel, they pay their own flights, and they spend a whole week in the Dominican in the compound of my dad's foundation, the Manny Motor Foundation, and living with those kids and experiencing everyday life with those kids and understanding that we are so blessed with a pair of shoes. And it's been life-changing for so many kids here in America to make those trips and be a part of it, to get back to the America and say, my God, I didn't know how good I had it. And let me not complain anymore about any more Christmas gifts or what we're doing for you know Halloween or Thanksgiving because I do have a lot, and I've been so pleasant to watch through all these years. That's terrific. And, and, you know, so cool that you do all that and cool that you have so many people that are helping to support that uh, to, to happen and to help give those people uh, a better Yeah, you know what, through, really through the years, I mean, from Garrett Anderson, remember Garrett Anderson donated uh, money and we bought a swing and a, and a play set for them. Uh, Alex yes. Rodriguez has donated to my foundation and Alex donated money where we were able to get kids out of the, uh, out of the very poor area and send them to a winter ball league game, which they never would have had a chance ever in their lives. So Alex donated the, the funds that we were able to get a kid, get a, the kids a bus, get them to the ballpark, uh, buy the tickets, and provide them with pizza and, and sodas and merchandise. So, you know, through the years, we've been very blessed that so many people have been involved to uh, provide for us. And it's not about how much you give. It's just giving and to make sure they lands in the right hands. That's awesome. Hosey, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you coming on, telling the stories. I had a blast, and, and I am really, really excited to be seeing you at the ballpark, hopefully soon. I can't wait. I don't know when that day is, but I know it's coming soon, and I can't wait enough for it. So thank you. Be faithful, man. I can't wait to see you too, man. All the Angels fans go out there, and uh, thanks for the support. Let's keep going and know that uh, there's a lot of good things happening with this ball club, the way it's built and the way that uh, the projections and the visions are within the organization. Oh, many blessings to you. He's Jose Moda. Thanks again. Such great stuff from Jose Moda. And again, thanks to Jose for joining us here uh, on the Angels Recap Podcast. It's been cool to have, you know, we've had Terry Smith and Mark Langston and now Jose Moda and Mark Gubazaz has been on, getting a chance to hear from a lot of the Angels broadcasters. And, and I think everyone's story is really unique. Nobody's story is the same, and uh, they don't get much more unique than Jose Moda. So I think it's been really neat uh, to hear that. Thanks again to, to Jose for telling those stories here. Now, like I talked about, uh, you know, we, we are in – strange times right now difficult challenging times for our country and that is why i love using this podcast as a little escape from that but i i do want to talk about this because this is not the first time america has faced hard times i mean she's been tested many times before and has persevered many times before just like she will again and will need too many more times now as the national pastime Baseball has often been, if not the center of crisis, a key to the healing. Now, baseball was the key after September 11th. Baseball was the key after World War II. And there was a different key through baseball that got us through the First World War. Now, in 1918, the Spanish flu pandemic greatly impacted the country and the game, but not nearly as much as World War I did, as by then had caused over 100,000 deaths. The Great War's impact on Major League Baseball was incredibly significant. In 1918, baseball nearly wasn't played at all. The schedule was reduced, as were player salaries. Then a month into the season, it was determined that all draft-eligible men would be drafted 
drafted unless they had an essential occupation. Ultimately, it was a worker fight determination, and the deadline would be pushed from July 1st to September 1st to allow for a baseball season in some form to be played. And fight many did. In fact, it's estimated about 15 players per team were called to serve, hence the shorter season. Now, that also meant that the World Series would be played in early September. At least the players in the World Series that were drafted were at least able to partake in the summer edition of the Fall Classic. But on September 5th of 1918, during the seventh inning stretch of Game 1 of the World Series between the Red Sox and Cubs, a tradition would be born at Comiskey Park in Chicago. Now, a little over a century before that 1918 World Series, a 35-year-old lawyer and poet, Francis Scott Key, watched the bombs bursting in air over Fort McHenry during the Battle of Baltimore in the War of 1812, only for Key to be drawn to a large American flag that amid the destruction was still there. Key was so inspired that he penned four stanzas about that evening's events and called it the Star-Spangled Banner. It would later become our national anthem, but that wouldn't be until 1931. But on that September day in 1918, the U.S. Navy Band began to play it during the seventh inning stretch. It was at that moment that Red Sox infielder and Navy sailor Fred Thomas gave a military salute to the flag blowing in the Chicago wind. Other players turned to the flag with their hands over their hearts. Fans were already standing for the stretch, and they looked to the flag and began to sing. Then when the song ended, the crowd erupted with the biggest cheer of the day. America needed that song in that moment to be united through patriotism. While it was not the first time the Star Spangled Banner had been played at a game, it was undoubtedly the most meaningful. The Red Sox would win that game led by a young hurdler that went by the name Babe Ruth. The Star Spangled Banner would then be played at every game the rest of that World Series. Free tickets to every game the rest of the World Series were given to wounded veterans, and those vets were honored before Game 6. Now, the Red Sox would win that sixth game and the series, their last World Series championship for 86 years. Though that was nothing compared to the 108 years the Cubs had to wait before Joe Madden's club in 2016 put that curse to rest. Now, the Star Spangled Banner would be played regularly at Boston home games and other sports too, but it was actually football that insisted to be played before every game by NFL Commissioner Elmer Layden after World War II, creating a tradition that seems unfathomable to ever change today. A really neat story about baseball's roots and just how tied to our nation our great game is. And that's why I'm so excited for it to come back whenever it does. Uh, again, I've said this many times, I wish it was yesterday. I wish we were already back to playing baseball. I know that time is coming soon, and I am ready for it, as are many of you. While you're at our page, you might as well take a look at some of the other podcasts we've had here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Great guests like Mark Gubiza and Mark Langston recently. We've had Jim Abbott on the show, Tori Hunter. We had Scott Spezio, Tim Salmon talking about the 2002 World Series We've had really neat stuff. I hope you check all of them out. Terry Smith's podcast I thought was a really interesting one, especially those that are into broadcasting and are on this one because of that. Uh, go listen to what Terry Smith's story is all about because I think it's pretty neat as well. For all of us here at the Angels Recap Podcast, my name is Trent Rush. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to subscribe. Give us a rating and review. We'd really appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you next week. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 